You are Locked On Pelicans, your daily podcast on the New Orleans Pelicans, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Alexa, Stitcher, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media and editor over at LockdownPelicans.com, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with you all on this Tuesday, a game day here in the Crescent City as the Pelicans play their third game against the surprisingly 2-1 Los Angeles Clippers. We're going to preview that game for you in the third segment, but we've got a lot to cover before that. We talked yesterday about rebounding, and I want to look at that in more depth today about how the Pelicans are going after offensive boards and why this is working when they tend to kind of have not favored this strategy over the past couple years. So why the 180 degree change here? And it's pretty obvious and it makes a lot of sense. And the results actually aren't so surprising from it. So we'll cover all of that. We've got some updates around the league. We've got news on Trevon Blewett, the Pelicans two-way guy and where he's being set. All of that and more in the game preview in today's edition of Locked on Pelicans. So before we get to the offensive rebounding, the defensive rebounding too for the Pelicans, frankly, and which is all comes from really one thing, which is size. If you're a new listener, thank you all for tuning in. If you've been with me since the start or at any point since I've been doing the podcast, I appreciate that as well. Please tell your friends, get them on board. This is obviously going to be a very fun Pelican season and you want them up to date on everything that's going on with this team. And of course, we are the only daily podcast coming to you guys like this, giving you everything you need to know. Also, if you're looking to follow other teams more and just see what's going on around the league, I've got a real easy Twitter handle for you to follow. It's Locked On NBA Net. That's at Locked On NBA Net. And we've just got kind of a curated feed that basically just retweets all the other hosts on some things they say. They really built this out that's kind of fancy. So it's going to just retweet things that they talk about regarding their own team. It's really easy to follow. I love it because I can now just kind of catch up on what's going on, what the other hosts are talking about without having to listen to or 29 other podcasts. So certainly a good thing. Make sure you follow Locked On NBA Net. So offensive rebounding, what the hell has gotten into this Pelicans team? As I'm recording this, which is around eight o'clock on Monday night, the Pelicans sit sixth in offensive rebound percentage, grabbing 32.6% of opponents' misses. This is basically unheard of from this team. Let me pull up the number from last year to tell you how different this is. I'm just going to click go to the bottom on here. Pelicans grabbed 24% of opponents' misses last season. That was 29th in the league. They were second worst. They're sixth best right now. That is a pretty wild difference where the Pelicans are now grabbing, what is that, about over 8.5% more offensive rebounding than they did last year. So again, we've talked about it. We mentioned it yesterday, which, by the way, someone passed a note saying it was Doc Rivers who kind of eschewed the going for offensive boards in, in hopes of getting set back. It doesn't really matter. It was heavily popularized, particularly by the Warriors the past couple of years and the Houston Rockets, too. I can actually tell you when Eric Gordon came to our watch party at Tracy's and sat down with us one time, he was the one that really clued me into it when we were talking about why they don't go for it, that he wants they want teams to get back and get set. And then, of course, like two years later, he went to go play for him, but whatever. So the Pelicans are kind of going a 180 on this. Mirtich talked about it after practice, saying the coaches really kind of gave them the marching orders to go after offensive boards. 
particularly when teams go small against the Pels. They've got great size. Mirtich is great size, around six, you know, 10, 6, 11. You got Anthony Davis. You have Julius Randle, who's a bit undersized for a power forward at 6'9, but he's still a tenacious rebounder. So this team realizes that when they get switched and teams try and play them small, they have a rebounding advantage. So you may as well go and use it. And the Pelicans are doing that again, 32.6% of their makes. Are, are sorry of their misses are being offensive or grabbed by off I don't even know what to say they're offensive rebounding those misses there we go and this is right now leading the Pelicans to have 15 and a half second chance points per game that's eighth best so they are grabbing those misses and they're putting them back into the hoop very very good for this team so why are the Pelicans then not getting killed on defense and kind of burned like you would expect well, they're giving up a decent amount of fast break points per game. They're giving up 18 and a half. So they are getting hit by it a little bit when they really commit guys going forward. But here's the thing. When you go after those boards and you're grabbing that many um, of your own misses and you're not getting back on defense, you better score on those. And they are, again, 15 and a half points per game. But it ties into what the Pelicans are just doing overall and why their offense is so successful. And that's because they're basically the hottest shooting team in the league right now. They lead the league shooting a blistering 56% even from the field. Next best is Sacramento at 52.8. Yeah, you know, you can send guys forward and go after those boards because if you're missing, by the way, one, the shot's probably going in over 50% of the time, and this is helping you get that field goal percentage. So you send guys forward and then you still score on that. Well, cool. The opponent has to inbound the ball and you don't need to worry about rushing back and getting set after a, you know, a shot attempt because they're inbounding it. So your defense is going to be set no matter what. And again, they realize they have athletes out here. So if Mirtich realizes they're going small and he misses, he can go chase it down himself. Or I think they're kind of recognizing it. Watch the guys that go after off offensive boards. It's not just everyone. It's one or two key guys that realize they have kind of the right matchup on them. If there's another big on Miritich, he's not going after that board. It's when someone smaller is on him. Same for Anthony Davis, same for Julius Randle. And then you see Alfred Payton and Drew Holiday kind of picking their spots on when to kind of jump and attack. Same thing with a small forward position with Etuan Moore and then the kind of rotating cast right now of Darius Miller and Solomon Hill. So it's selectively choosing and picking the right spot. So it's not just a blanket strategy of sending guys forward. It's okay. When we realize we'll have we have the opportunity to do this, let's go take advantage of that opportunity. So it's just really smart basketball overall. And the Pelicans are killing it this way. Again, getting that many offensive boards putting the opponents on the back foot because of that, and then you make it, and then your defense gets set so you don't get burned in fast break as much. Definitely a good thing to see from this team. Also, they're a very good defensive rebounding team too. I think that's kind of what's keeping their defense in things right now. They haven't been great. They're not as bad as, say, some of the, the points per game numbers say, as we talked about yesterday, but certainly ranking 18th best. That's not exactly what you want. But rebounding's been good. Right now, they're the third best defensive rebounding team grabbing 79.8 so let's round up call it 80 percent of opponents misses you can limit things that way too and opponents really aren't getting the most second chance points against this team it's actually the second fewest pelicans are only allowing eight second chance points so they themselves have 15 and a half so you see the difference there best is milwaukee who's only allowing five and a half but the pelicans number two overall that's got to make you feel pretty good about this team
So before we get to some news and other things about this team, the NBA, and just everything overall, is your company looking for a new way to reach customers? Your company could be mentioned right now on Locked on Pelicans. Podcast listeners are 60% more likely to interact with sponsors they hear on their favorite podcasts. Our demographic is 98% male with more education and more earnings than traditional media audiences. Those are the demographics that you want. Have your company sponsor Locked on Pelicans email me. It's Locked on pels at gmail.com that's locked on pels at gmail.com so ever since i've started doing this podcast people have been asking me for a lot of advice and one of the biggest questions i get is what teams to bet on this week Honestly, the truth is, I'm not entirely sure. You guys have a better idea of who's going to win than I do, and that means you've got to check out my bookie. Remember, who you're betting on is just as important as who you're betting with. That's why I always tell people to bet with my bookie. Trust me, guys, they are your best bet this season. They've been in business for years, have great reviews online, and their mobile site is unbelievably easy to use. Come on, you can just place a bet on your phone on the go. It's the easiest thing you can do. It's what I personally do. Lay down some cash and win big today. I'd only recommend a service to my listeners that's been good to me, and that's why I'm urging you to make your way to my bookie. You win, they pay. As simple as that. They have in-game live betting and the most rewarding player perks in the business. For you and for you fantasy guys out there, you can even bet the over-under on how many fantasy points a player will score each game. Join now and my bookie will match your deposit dollar for dollar use promo code locked on enter locked on to activate the offer visit my bookie online today that's my bookie m-y-b-o-o-k-i-e and don't forget to use the promo code locked on when creating your account to claim the bonus you play you win you get paid again they're going to match your first deposit 100 up to a thousand dollars that's free money go to my bookie today and enter the promo code locked on So some news out of the Pelicans today. They've officially transferred two-way contract player Trevon Blewett to the Westchester Knicks of the G League where he'll finally get some playing time. It remains to be seen the exact plan for him when Czech Diallo was playing in the D League two years ago. They sent a player development specialist staff guy from the team alongside him to kind of keep him in the the Pelicans mentality. I guess they really wanted him to focus on the things that the Pelicans wanted him to work on, not what the G League team wanted him to work on, which is, I think, the way to go. It's a little bit different for a shooter. You basically just want him to go out, get open, get shots, and shoot that way and learn to do one or two other things. It's not like you're working on footwork as much on the inside, different things. But I would assume the Pelicans are going to send some coach with him to kind of monitor and make sure he's being used properly by the Westchester Knicks. We did think the Pelicans were going to have a G League team to start the year. That, of course, has not come to fruition due to a variety of reasons. Basically, it seems like the other cities don't really want to pay a whole lot of money to renovate a stadium to have a G League team in and use public funds for that, which, frankly, that's a whole other story, but don't really think you can kind of argue with that. Um, So that's kind of been the sticking point of it. Pelicans don't really have a ton of guys they'd necessarily want to throw in there, though. Kind of looks more like it now than it has in years past. So Trevon Blewett's going to get some 
playing time, which will definitely be a good thing. Their season's underway very soon. Now, what's great is the 45 days you get with the parent club in the NBA does not count travel days. That is a wonderful thing. So no more one of his days counting because he was getting on a plane then coming in. That doesn't count. So I'm really happy to hear that it'll basically just give him more time, likely towards the end of the year for to be with this team. He was inactive. I think the second game he was active, the first game. So no real surprise. He's not ready for it yet. This team didn't give him a fully guaranteed like actual NBA roster contract yet. And I think it was smart for him to take the two-way deal as we kind of get ready with this season for him because they do have high hopes for the future. He lit it up in summer league, struggled when teams finally realized out how to defend him. But that's what going to play in the G League for an extended period of time, getting that playing time, making mistakes, learning a little bit more is definitely going to be a good thing for Trevon Blewett. So I think it's a little too early to do power rankings league-wide. You know, most teams have played two or three games, and that's it. And it's kind of just wild numbers out there right now, numbers that are going to fluctuate wildly. You know, all of a sudden a team can lose one game and they drop basically to 500 or lose a perfect record or what have you. And it kind of just things are in flux because of the small sample size. Go look at the NBA.com stats page and there's just some weird things that jump out at you. Again, because we have limited minutes and the data basically hasn't kind of bared it out of what's really going to be truthful and what is just, again, small sample size, anomalies, variants like that. So that doesn't stop other people from doing power rankings. And if you're, you know, a Pelicans fan, I think you've got to be really happy with how things are kind of going so far. Sports Illustrated has the Pelicans fifth in their power rankings. ESPN has this team fourth I think they jumped up 12 spots in ESPNs. And NBA.com has the Pelicans third in their power ranking. So top five all around for your New Orleans Pelicans. People seem to think this team looks very legit. They're not looking at it and just saying, oh, it's only two games. All of a sudden, you know, look, Miritich isn't going to be averaging over 30 all season long. By the way, per 36 minutes, this is a dude who's averaging something like 39 points. That's how on fire and good he's been recently. But the Pelicans are doing a lot of things right, and two blowout wins are very convincing, particularly with that opening night victory over the Houston Rockets team that everyone thought was going to be very good, though looks to be struggling to start the year. Same a little bit with the Golden State Warriors too. So to be in the top five, this may be as good as it gets at times. Again, as the season goes on and things start to level out and the Warriors don't look like, you know, they're not trying all the time, the Rockets are going to get better. I think that's kind of something to keep in mind with this. So hopefully it's not as good as it gets, but it's definitely nice to see for the Pelicans. One more thing I want to mention before we jump to the game preview in the next segment is the minutes per game of this team. Again, it's two games. This is too little to make of things certainly soon, but I want to point this out. The top minutes per game player here this season for New Orleans is Anthony Davis. Just 33 minutes per game. Drew Holiday's averaging 32 and a half. Alfred Payton, 30 and a half. Nikola Mirotic, 30 and a half. Etuan Moore, 28 and a half. And Julius Randle, just 24. That's really good minutes man- management so far this year. It helps that you blew out the Kings and basically they didn't need to play in the fourth quarter. And they did play a little bit more than I think we were expecting on opening night against the Houston Rockets. But this all points to being very good. The Pelicans can continue to put up the top offensive rating in the league. Just an absurd offensive rating that they have. They're going to be able to rest guys late in the fourth quarter. And I think that's big. 
These guys are going to play heavy minutes for this team, assuming health goes the Pelicans way. So getting them rest whenever you can, even if it's in fourth quarters, only a good thing. So I think, you know, this winning streak that they're on, it seems they might continue to have. And the the great offense that they're doing and blowing teams out has the added benefit of not just the wins, but you rest your guys so then you can go win the next night. So I think it's just kind of a double thing and it compounds on itself. And again, only good for the Pelicans. We're not really nitpicking too much here with this team because they've just been awesome. So before we give you the game preview as the Pelicans take on the Los Angeles Clippers in their third game, second home game, I'm going to mention it multiple times. I've told you guys to go listen to Locked on NBA five days a week, Monday through Friday, and I co-host the Wednesday edition. So do that. Know what's going on around the association. It's been absolutely bonkers to start the year. You had a spitting incident with Rondo and Chris Paul punches being thrown, surprising wins and losses, guys standing out, a lot of rest overall around the league too. So catch up on everything that's going on around the association over at Locked On NBA. And of course, we just launched Locked On LSU with the great Matt Moscona of ESPN Radio over there in Baton Rouge, 100.5 up there and 100.3, or sorry, 104.5 up there and 100.3 here in New Orleans. Make sure you give it a listen if you are a Tiger fan, particularly if you're out of market and you don't get his show. And of course, we have Locked On Saints celebrating the big victory. Thank you, Tucker, for missing that extra point. Ross Jackson does an amazing job breaking down daily what is going on with your favorite NFL team because this does look like it could be a very special year for the Saints. So make sure you listen and subscribe to Locked On LSU and Locked On Saints. So the Los Angeles Clippers come to New Orleans to take on your Pelicans in the Smoothie King Center tonight. It is a game day here in the Crescent City. And what the hell are the Clippers doing at 2-1 in what was seemingly going to be a bit of a transition year for them? Well, they're doing some things right, but they're doing some things very wrong. And I don't think this matchup favors them at all against the Pelicans. And we'll talk about why just right now. First things first, they have the league's seventh best, sorry, fifth best defensive rating. They're doing a couple things really well. And this is where you're going to see strength versus strength. Opponents are shooting barely over 40% from the field against them, 40.6%. Pelicans shoot 56%. Something has got to give in this one, and I actually think it'll be the Clippers' opponent field goal percentage. But they're doing that right. They're limiting kind of two-point makes. They're limiting you shooting well from the field overall, and that's kind of been their biggest thing. They don't really do anything else defensively particularly well. They don't foul a ton, I guess, and you don't get to the line against them a ton. But other than that... Nothing really kind of jumps out at you when you watch them play. They just contest things. But when the Pelicans are taking so many shots at the rim and so many shots in transition at the rim where there's fewer guys around, I'm not as worried about that. The other thing here is the the Clippers are one of the slower teams in the league. They rank in the bottom fit five in pace. Well, we know how New Orleans is running, but that also creates an issue for the Pelicans, or for the Clippers for a lot of reasons. It's not just a contrasting styles. And again, the Rockets like to play slow, and the Pelicans ran against them, and we saw how that ended up. But it's also like a conditioning issue for the Pelicans. They have one of the most fun guys in the league, Boban, who's, by the way, going to be in the newest John Wick movie playing a 
villain because he's like that Eastern European hitman look. And this is the guy who, by the way, held the ball above AD's head last year. And AD was jumping to try and swat away and couldn't get to it. He's kind of that freak of a guy. He only plays 13 minutes per game for this team when he should be doing well. And by the way, in those 13 minutes, averages 11.7 points. And he does that on just 5.3 shot attempts per game. But he's only capable of playing those that many minutes in those few minutes because he doesn't have the conditioning. So if the Pelicans are running up and down the court, he's not going to be able to hang. And he's going to have to be out of the game. It kind of goes for a guy like Montrez Harrell, too, who's active and runs out there. But again, 17 and a half minutes for him. Marcin Gortat, 19 minutes for him. Their bigs just do not have the legs to really keep up with this Pelicans team. And then their bigs who can kind of keep up like to play on the perimeter. And the Pelicans have guys that can guard him. Tobias Harris, the point score, the leading score for your, uh, your Clippers, the Clippers. There we go. 22.7 points per game. He takes six three-point attempts per game so far in the three games he's played. AD can guard the perimeter, so can Nikola Mirotic, and so can Julius Randle. Danilo Gallinari, 6.3 three-point attempts per game. He's averaging 20.7 for the Clippers. Those three guys can defend him out there. They're not concerned about that. I think that bodes well for this New Orleans team. Then you've got a backcourt of Avery Bradley. Um, you've got their their rookie, Gil Yis, Alexander, and Lou Williams. I have no idea. I'm, you guys know I'm terrible at pronouncing names, so I probably just botched that. And Pat Beverly. Again, Drew Holiday can just turn that on when he wants to, as we saw him do against Buddy Heald. Same thing for Alfred Payton. So I don't think this Clippers team, despite the 2 and one start, the things they're doing well really match up well against the Pelicans. The Pelicans are going to run against this team. The Clippers don't want that at all. And if the Pelicans score in the fast break, get those second chance points. I don't care about them being able to contest all your two-pointers that you're taking because you're getting looks right at the rim and those are high quality shots. Better than a shooting percentage anywhere else on the court. And screw that low shooting percentage that the Clippers are defending well with. You could maybe say that three-point shooting is the great equalizer in this game, except the Clippers aren't a great three-point shooting team. They're shooting 30.4% from the field. That's 27th worst in the league, so they're bottom four there. And their offense has just been kind of, eh, it's 20th out of 30th in the league, according to basketball-reference.com. They are a sound defensive rebounding team, so the Pelicans, if they do want to attack the boards, again, do it in the smart spots that we've seen them. When you switch and when this team goes... uh, when the Clippers go small against the Pelicans. Use your size advantage. Don't just commit guys going for those offensive boards, though, for no reason, because that's where maybe you get burned a little bit, and the and then the Clippers kind of run in transition against you, and the Pelicans don't want to do that, and they're giving up a few too many transition points overall that, you know, a little bit more than we're comfortable with. But overall, again, this team has had a nice start to the year, but their wins are kind of fluky just a little bit. They beat OKC, who didn't have Westbrook 108-92. to Then they beat the Houston Rockets in a very close game. They beat them by three. And after this is after they got kind of run out against Denver on opening night by 19 points. Ah, I'm not impressed. So I think the Pelicans have a very good chance to win this game at home and maybe do it in convincing fashion, since it's a bit of a contrast in styles that the Clippers don't match up particularly well with. But of course, you do need to still play the games and anything can happen. Of course, we remember bad losses here in the Smoothie King Center last year. Twice against the Kings. You already kind of shook that one off. But the Dallas Mavericks too, the Orlando Magic, and at one point the Clippers as well. Though they did get that big win late in the year as they were trying to march and get into the playoffs. So that's going to do it for this edition of Locked on Pelicans. Thank you all for listening. Game day here. Enjoy the game tonight. Hopefully the Pelicans get a victory. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison. At 
at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow to recap the game.